We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 560 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Daniel Hilton, and I know you came here for the five headlines for Barcelona's 1-1 draw against Napoli. I want to just give you a little program update that I'm going to have a full podcast with a guest tomorrow, where we're going to really break this down in the nitty-gritty. But, of course, this is just the five headlines. So in case you don't miss any of the content tomorrow or anything over the weekend or next few weeks, which I do have some fun stuff planned, subscribe to the channel, of course, or you can directly help the show with Patreon, merch store, all those fun things, or even just follow me, or even just follow me along on social media. So without further ado, let's dive in. Five headlines from Barcelona's 1-1 draw with Napoli. Headline one was flat Napoli. Coming into the game, I could understand the argument for Xavi starting Inigo Martinez instead of Pau Cabarsi. Now, in hindsight, you can have a conversation with me, but I get that. You want to protect the teenager, and one teenager in the starting 11 is good enough. But yes, this has, over the last month, proven itself to be, even if the team isn't playing well, based on injuries and all that kind of stuff, this was the strongest starting 11 that Xavi could have picked. And positionally, it was also the strongest starting 11, because Araujo had to be the center back. There were rumors to confuse before the game, I think, that were leaked by the Barcelona dressing room about Araujo moving to right back, but he stayed a center back the way he should have, and that wound up, in hindsight, again, being the right move for Barcelona. Napoli really came out flat in this one, De Jong dropping in early against that Napoli press to start, and the first test was Barcelona trying to break through and get into the final third of Napoli, which they didn't do for the first few minutes of the game. De Sagan twice tried to play the long ball, and Barcelona fortunately kept winning those 50-50s because, yes, Barcelona were on the front foot early in this game, and not to be negative, but I do think it was more about Napoli coming out so flat than it was Barcelona actually doing anything out of the ordinary or playing exceptionally well in the early parts of this match. Because in other circumstances, if the other team was up to it, Barcelona don't win that second ball on those long balls forward from Ter Stegen, and it's coming right back at them on a counterattack. But Napoli just didn't have that fire, intensity, and fury you need to win the second ball, so Barcelona kept picking those up. And the press from Napoli wasn't great either. It was a 4-4-2 defensively, turning into a 4-5-1. It was Anguissa dropping in and then having to step forward. And of course, it was Napoli in their 4-3-3 attacking because Calzona, as I talked about 36 hours ago, had just about, yeah, 36 hours to try to figure this out. So he went with what the team already was understanding to be known and tried to find some identity even in game one. Fourth minute, it was a good ball from Gisela to Gundogan, making the run through the middle. And Gundogan, with his movement, that wound up being a really positive trend throughout this game. 
That shot was laid off for Lamini Mall. His ball was blocked. Bright sign from Barcelona to go right at Napoli in the early going through Lamini Mall. Barcelona almost completely controlling the first five minutes, as I said. When was the last time we said that? And I already said it was more about, I think, a flat Napoli than it was Barcelona being on the front foot. But still, positive signs of Barcelona controlling. The first look at Barcelona's press came in the eighth minute. Kunde handled it really well by winning the foot race with Varishelia, led to the chance from Barcelona on a long-range shot by Lamini Mall, and Barcelona couldn't do anything with the rebound, but still, positive signs. 14th minute, Pedri to Lewandowski on a tight angled shot. Another win for Barca's press, though. A moment later, almost forcing a chance for Pedri when Napoli made a mistake playing back to the keeper. And Barcelona, because they couldn't jump on it, my first instinct was, okay, Barcelona are not finishing their chances. That's going to come back to bite them because if the defense is good enough, Barcelona's attacked and you have to hold up your end of the bargain. The first real action from De Jong in the game, it did take him a little bit to find the contest, but once he did, he picked up a yellow from Di Lorenzo on a foul. But I also thought that that kind of woke him up. He then answered with a long run into Napoli's final third that led to more prolonged possession. And I also thought throughout the rest of that game, there were moments when he could have dived in for a second yellow and definitely had that in the back of his mind, but it didn't stop him from diving into tackles and muddying things up in the middle field for Napoli. I thought the midfield, especially led by De Jong, was good throughout the match. Christensen, however, we're going to talk about him later in a bit, but this was the first moment I noticed there midway through the first where he failed to turn, lost the ball, and that was the first time the announcers as well on the broadcast kind of mentioned that's not Christensen's game. And if you're going to have prolonged possession and Napoli decide to press Christensen in the middle of the field, that means he's got to have somebody immediately to play to because if he's going to turn like that, that is a dangerous counter for Napoli. 22nd minute, the goalkeeper for Napoli Merit forced to make two saves, one at his near post, another one on a good long attempt from Gundogan, who continued to have a good first half as, what do we always say, when Barcelona's midfield is better than the other midfield, then they're usually the better team in the match. Headline two is better back line in the first half, at least. Barca did well to let a potentially out-of-club rhythm Osimhen get himself offside a few times in that first half. Yes, I know in hindsight he scores the goal, but we are doing these headlines chronologically, so these are my thoughts at the time. And I do want to still give credit to Araujo at this point. It was tremendous by Araujo throughout that first half against Osimhen in other moments as well. Barca did not allow a single shot from the opposition in the first half of a Champions League match for the first time since December of 2016 versus Borussia Mönchengladbach and for the first time in a knockout game since May of 2011 versus Real Madrid. That's via Opta Jose. That just tells you how good the defense and back line, including Christensen and De Jong and the press and all that, Barcelona were set up to succeed in that first half. All they had to do was finish their chances. 32nd minute to Kunde, a long diagonal to Cancelo. I was really happy with the long balls and out of possession stuff from Kunde and Araujo in that first half as well. But in that buildup, of course, let's talk about it in full. Christensen was the weak link in the midfield when Barcelona had the ball, which they did have more of the ball in the first half. But again, De Jong, Pedri, Kunwin, all were really playing well with that coverage. And yet, without the ball, particularly as the first half neared its last few minutes, Barca had a really good defensive shape and kept Napoli from delivering anything useful, with Kunde in particular being special with those aerial duels. We know that he's capable of that, and he hasn't been winning as many of late as he's been, and many have admitted, out of form. But we know at his highest level, when he reaches his peak, he wins almost everything in the air, even though he's an average height for a center back. Not the tallest, but he's not short either, but he definitely gets up there. And I like the fact that Barcelona's back line in that first half were saying, this is a knockout competition. We're not playing with fire at all. We're booting this one either out of bounds or to kingdom come, and we'd rather deal with what happens next than give Napoli an opportunity to put us under pressure and turn us over in dangerous spots. 
And in totality about that defense, again, with Christensen being out there and saying, well, why do you have him out there at all? Because we're going to discuss in a second here about the issues on the left wing when you start those four midfielders. But it is a balance. And that's a balance that Xavi has with the players he has at his disposal. And it's something I've kind of been saying all season long. That Barcelona, on paper, you look at those players and you say, yes, this is a very talented squad. But they don't have the depth for Xavi to make decisions and to have a number of options to say, okay, well, we can actually completely change our formation with this profile player instead of this one, and that'll do this. No, Barcelona have a certain number of profiles, and it really is just plug and play to the system because you cannot, at the highest level, replace like for like, including the 16-year-old on the right wing with Rafinha coming back in the squad, sure, but near halftime, it was a sensational move by Lamini Mall. And while I don't think it was a quiet game, he also didn't put his normal imprint on it, but he's just so fun. He's the youngest ever to play in a Champions League knockout stage game at 16 years and 223 days. So on the days when he doesn't necessarily have a finishing product or truly affects things in the final third, we can just throw stats like that at you and say, of course, that's why he's starting. Well, not the fact that he's youngest ever. Xavi's not going for the records, but you clearly even saw in that first half why it's Lamini Mall with that just one move, why he's a starter, and why we're going to continue to have that conversation about Xavi. Why did you not rest him against Celta de Vigo? I get it. You had to start him against Celta de Vigo to even get those points, but can you take the L, I guess, in the Liga as long as you're going to start him against Napoli in the knockout? I mean, that's the calculation, and that's the argument that I think Xavi's having with himself and his staff, game in and game out. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline three is back to serviceable. Let's head now to the second half with Napoli coming out with a much higher and much more intense press to start the second. So Barcelona, you knew you were going to get punched in the mouth a little bit. You've been the better team, but it was still 0-0. And that's what kind of breaks your heart that I can say Barcelona probably played their best first half of the season, maybe arguably their best first half of the season. And yet 0-0, they had nothing to show for it. And I was concerned to start the second half because even when they had possession and they were approaching Napoli's box, there just wasn't enough movement. It doesn't have to be just running into the box. I thought that Gunawan, as I said, was doing a great job in this game to stretch out Napoli vertically. But I also understand that putting too many runners into the box, well, that ruins your rest defense shape. But players were just waiting for the ball to feet. So there was no movement, even horizontally. Players just waiting for the ball to come to their feet and then turning and then expecting someone else to be making the run. And no one was making the run. And now for the third straight game, I'm saying that I think Lewandowski actually was kind of making those runs and he was dropping in and allowing others into that space. Defensively, then he would try to fight for the second ball. So for the now third straight game, I thought Lewandowski's movement also has set up his success with his goal scoring numbers, which we're about to get to. The only puzzling moment from Gundogan in this whole game really was the 54th minute, a completely wasted corner kick by Barca. You do not see a corner kick wasted that much. He played it short, but he misplayed it short, and it just goes back, and you have Araujo and Kunde up there and Lewandowski, and they're all screaming and saying, what is happening? We didn't even get a shot off here. We didn't even get a cross off for this one. Clearly understand their frustration. But systematically, something that I think Napoli is going to consider for the second leg for this tie, basically knowing the similar starting 11 and system that Xavi's going to go with, when you have Pedri on the left wing and Cancelo needing to stay with Palatano because of that 4-3-3, obviously you don't want Cancelo to give up that space in rest defense, and Cancelo, not the best defender anyway, and also playing on his opposite side at left back, again, somebody who wants to step into a tackle with his right foot, so he's on the opposite side and going backwards, and you don't want to put Cancelo in that situation. I get it. So the only time he's going to get forward is when he truly can pick his spots and there's a lot of room and Palatano has to defend him as opposed to in in rest defense the other way around. But that means then there's no outlet on the left. Like when Araujo stepped in the midfield to win the ball and Lewandowski then had no outlet unless he played it right back to Araujo running in behind, which maybe he should have tried, but now you have Ronald Araujo completely out of position if that's easily caught by the goalkeeper, if you get too much on it, or it's even cleared and going the other way. Fortunately for Barcelona, though, as much as I felt like there were systemic issues in the second half, they still found the opening goal. Gunwan was fouled, so it came from a dead ball situation. And Inigo Martinez to Pedri to Lewandowski, right through the middle, taking advantage of what I think at that point was Napoli needing to put in subs and getting a bit tired. Again, they were pressing and Barcelona moving them around really well. So there was space to be exploited in the middle of the field. Inigo Martinez, good pass to Pedri to Lewandowski, keep that thing moving. 
And I think we can finally say now that Lewandowski is back to okay form, or as I've said, serviceable form in the last few weeks. It was a good job too by Pedri to get the ball to Lewandowski with a proper weight and angle so that he could set himself up with his first touch to get a shot off. I also think the passing two feet to Lewandowski has been good enough to coincide with him setting himself up and scoring these goals like a clinical striker is supposed to score. It's a good thing for Lewandowski to be back in form. That means with him in form that Barcelona could not necessarily be the better team at Montjuic and win that second leg. I know that's not what you want to hear, and we're only still in February, but the rest of this season is going to be a grind with the team that Barcelona has, with a manager, with one foot obviously already out the door, and rumors and frustration, and De Jong said it as much in the press conference. There's a lot of frustration going on at Barcelona, financially behind the scenes, and it's not going to get any easier in these coming months, but having Lewandowski at least scoring a few goals in matches that matter could help. Headline four, Napoli turned the tide. Well, here's the bad news now. Napoli did have a response. There were some subs to give them energy, and there were a bunch of wise clearances from Inegra Martinez. I know I am setting you up for the negative stuff, but again, I'm giving these compliments in the moment when I had them and Barcelona was up 1-0. So some wise clearances from Inegra Martinez and the rest of his back line. They weren't playing around with it. Just get yourself out of danger and deal with a throw-in. It's a lot easier to deal with a throw-in than a press in the middle of the field when you're facing your own goal. I know it seems desperate, and I also saw an argument that people wanted Barcelona players to kind of take a breath and wait on the ball, but I don't know. When the intensity ratcheted up and you're on the road like that, I don't know if I actually trust this team. On the inverse of that, that Napoli kind of did try to take a moment, take a breath, said, oh, we're at home, we can dribble our way out of this or play our way out of this, and they didn't, and Barcelona took advantage of them. I feel like neither of these teams are actually good enough to take that breath. It feels like we're expecting too much of a team we haven't seen that from. And I guess you could do that in the Liga still because of what the stakes are there. Again, second place or third place, or, you know, if you lose two points here and the trophy seems out of reach, it is what it is. But this is a knockout of Champions League. Don't play games. Kick it out. Hindsight is 2020. Here's the bad news with this next note. I wrote down, and I'm just going to read you what I wrote. The defense has been highly scrutinized, but today was their day. Okay, maybe I jinxed it a little bit. Shouldn't have done that. But I, at this point, again, in the game, I don't take it back. Kunde did terrific on Kamara. That shouldn't go unnoticed. He really did have one of his better games in recent weeks, maybe months. And Araujo would have honestly been my man of the match, if not for the goal that really wasn't his fault at all. De Jong also had an argument, as I said, when the midfield for Barcelona is better, they're the team on the front foot, and they're the better side, and they deserve the result. And just as I'm writing that, I look up, and Osiman has scored, so I have to go back and watch how that all happens. 75th minute, Osiman equalizes by beating Inigo Martinez 1v1. Just an error by Inigo Martinez. And Guisa, the simple feed as Barcelona, they were pressing and they were trying to take it away, but the rotations hadn't happened quick enough. So Martinez either had to step with everybody else, but with that angle, I think he gets beat or he can't step there. So I think that's why he just tried to mano a mano, shoulder to shoulder with Osiman. I think he went down a bit too easily. Unfortunately, I know people are calling for a foul, and it looks like Osiman extended the arm a little bit, but it's really hard to call that when right before that, they were both jostling for position. It does look like Inigo Martinez unbalanced himself by trying to step forward to the ball instead of just trying to contain Osiman and keep his back to goal. But that's all you need for a striker like Osiman. Even though he hasn't had the best season, he's still one of the top strikers that's likely going to go for 80 to 100 million euros in the summer. So that's all he needed. I thought Ter Stegen also didn't stand his ground well enough at that point. I think he just kind of dived into a certain direction thinking that's where Osman was going to go. Osman waited a moment and then scores equalizer. Headline five, same old story. Now here's where the bummer part of it comes that Barcelona, instead of using that as their own response, it just felt like they thought away goals still mattered, which they don't. 
and we're looking to get back tomorrow's week. 80th minute, Rafinha in for Lamina Mall. And there is a fair argument that even though this was the strongest 11 for Xavi, and it is tough because people said Fermi Lopez, but outside of Fermi Lopez, I didn't hear people calling for subs to come in with names that they trusted because once Orla Romeu with hair and Jao Felix came in for Christensen and Pedri in the 86th minute, people complained about seeing Orla Romeu. But look at that bench. I mean, who are you trusting? You're really saying it's Kubarsi. I'm not sure if Mark Ewan even made the bench, but Mark Ewan in this instance, if he made the bench, or you're talking about Sergio Roberto, or again, Romeu, Jao Felix, Rafinha, who people just don't trust. And Xavi Clue doesn't trust them either. He trusts the 11 players he had on the field. With Ferran Torres, I think, before he got injured, being the 12th. And that's about what Xavi can trust in this moment. So it's a really difficult argument. And Fermi Lopez, I think Xavi trusts him a little bit, but not in this moment when you're trying to keep defensive shape and you're trying to survive another team with intensity. He pushes hard and presses, but we have not yet seen those situations where he presses totally with his teammates. So you see him giving a lot of energy, but if everybody doesn't step together, then there are holes in the midfield and behind. And Barcelona controlled the midfield the whole game and Xavi didn't want that to stop. But if you have an argument for the subs coming too late, you want to give me names, I I totally understand your argument as well. I'm not saying Xavi was right for waiting. I don't think he was, but I also get why he doesn't trust the players that he put on late in the game. It feels like a lose-lose situation. 89th minute, Simeone, a long chance. Napoli continued to keep up the pressure late, which does mean a lot of sweating from Kules. Last minute, a clearance up to Lewandowski. It falls to Gundogan, and a moment that's going to be forgotten could have been a real moment because that shot was just wide for the German midfielder. Barcelona were down to surviving to make it all to play for at Montjuic, where Barcelona hasn't necessarily been that great this season. They've been better on the road, statistically. So you would have felt like, I would say, just gone for it. I would say been up 2-0. I would say been up 3-0. But no, it's 1-1. And that's what makes this result feel like a loss for sure, even though they had one of their better first half of the season. But it was more of the same story for Barcelona. So if you've been with me and having to hear the same story, deja vu, over and over and over again, this is the Barcelona this year, but there is something here. Obviously, these are really, really talented players for both the present of the now and Lewandowski currently getting his form back, Pedri getting a bit better, picking up an assist finally, so people can stop arguing about his final third for maybe at least two or three days, and Gundogan, having got finally a little bit of rest, seems to have a bit of renewed energy, and he's been good as well, with Christensen finally coming in, still working through that in the last few weeks, but it seems like there are finally some ideas here for Barcelona. I am trying to find a silver lining, but hey, you're still with me, and I appreciate that. Silver lining is that you still listen, and you still pay attention, and I appreciate that. So if you want more of some of my musings throughout the matches, I'm over there on Twitter or X, whatever, before it explodes. I'd love to get to 2,000 followers. I know, I can't believe it from all the words I've said here that I don't just write those down and get more, but it is what it is. So follow me on X, that's great. Instagram, you can find the Barcelona Podcast. I'm also on Twitter, at HiltonD13, of course. Patreon then, the Barcelona Podcast. That's how you directly support the show or the merch store. You get something out directly supporting the show close Facebook group, Discord. That's how we're having different conversations as well. And of course, a good rating on the podcast app, subscribing to the YouTube channel, a huge help as well. Most importantly though, thanks so much for listening. Win, lose, or draw. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, you